1: Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. My thoughts to your thoughts. Alan Seiler. Mama's going to be eating good tonight. (laughs) And Veronica Daschle. Hi. Yeah, welcome
2: back, everybody.
3: woo
1: Got the band back together. That's right. Well, before we get started, Keith, do we have any This Week in Trek this week?
3: Dude, I had a couple of things. It was a busy, kind of a busy month. Let me find it here. One you know, of these days I'll remember this stuff. Uh, There's a couple of very obvious ones. Where is it? Where is it? Here we go. Okay. This is a, There was a lot of premieres. Remember back in the days when we had a real television season and everything mm-hmm. premiered and <laughs> actually in September? Right, yeah. <laughs> you had an actual premiere month and sweeps weeks and all that weird stuff. So this kind of hails back to that. Um, obviously, the 24th of September, 1990, arguably the most anticipated episode in the franchise of Star Trek was. The best of both worlds. Mm. Episode two or right, the conclusion yeah. um, from the final season where we had waited an entire summer to see a Jean-Luc Picard was going to die. When War, when um, Commander Riker issued the famous Mr. War, Fire, to some of the best right. music of that series amazing stuff and let me ask you guys who saw it was the weight worth it
1: oh i don't remember watching it live
3: Uh, oh
0: yeah i definitely did (laughs) not you didn't veronica shoot
3: (laughs) 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 yeah it was it was good alan i think you thought the weight was worth it eh
2: oh my god it was crazy
3: yeah. Those of a certain age of some, this will mean nothing. The only other thing that rivaled this was the famous who shot JR on Dallas. And that was a thing back in the day. And if you don't right. remember what Dallas was, never mind.
2: Oh, everybody knows what Dallas is, even if they've not seen it. I hope so. <laughs>
3: also, still sticking in September. Um, 27 years later, 24th of September, 19 uh, 2017 the Vulcan Hello premieres and right. thus we have the newest era of Star Trek that was yeah. the premiere course of discovery with the Vulcan Hello and the Battle at the Binary Stars mm. yeah introduced us to a whole new crew a whole new ship a whole new everything yeah yeah i
1: remember they they aired it on CBS for the premiere mm-hmm. and so i was mm-hmm. waiting to watch it and it was like it was pushed late because of a football game and i was like ah just yeah. like i remember
3: <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> Right. And then, of course, that's ushered in the whole new Trek world that we all are enjoying right now. So quite, um, I was not there for the original series. I'm just a little too young for that one. But I was there for the kickoff of the TNG era. I was definitely live there for the kickoff of Enterprise, which was a little bit of an experiment. And I was there, of course, for Discovery and so forth. So. It's been an interesting time. And I, yes, and believe it or not, I saw the Abrams first movie the day it premiered as well. <laughs> and I've supported every one of those movies. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Okay, hey, this one, real quick. 26 September, 1966. This is from Matt Sweatman. The story outline for one of the best episodes in Star Trek history was submitted A Taste of Armageddon. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I know Alan agrees that we're there. That's right, man. And let's see. On two thousand in two thousand and one, still in September, the twenty sixth of September. It's been a long road <laughs> getting from there to here. Of course, the television premiere of Enterprise Broken Bow. Wow! Which started starred Captain Archer and a whole new crew with the first Warp Five vessel. A series that Alan and I really love, and everyone else on the podcast maybe not so much.
1: Oh well, what you going to yeah. do? Yeah, yeah. Some, yeah. Not everyone likes everything.
3: Yeah. One thing about Enterprise, I find interesting. It had huge, like I all do. Had huge, huge numbers, mm-hmm. and then it, of course, it fell off over the years. And then, of course, instead of going what everybody thought was going to be the standard seven years at the time, it only got four seasons, right? Uh, which is kind of sad. And now it's actually gained in popularity. Uh, its popularity among the Star Trek shows has actually gone up. Uh, okay. I don't know if there will ever be anything approaching you know, another series or anything like that, but um, definitely worth a revisit, I think. Mm. Uh, more premieres, 28th of September, 1987, Encounter at
2: Point. Yeah, that's, that's a big right. Premier. Today is Next Generation Day, baby. Yeah.
3: Isn't that wild? And I remember, again, I was I was living here in Atlanta at the time. And the TV I had had blown out. So I actually went to one of those rental places, you know, the ones that charge you like (laughs) 200 percent over the cost of the rental and rented a television. And one hour before the show premiered, these two big burly delivery guys delivered a television that looked like it had been on a flop house motel that had cigarette burns (laughs) in it. Oh, no. And stains on it, I don't want to think about, but I watched TNG on that little television. Awesome. So if they
2: had shown up at your house after the show was over, you could have been like, never mind, just take it
3: back. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I could have just gotten rid of it. (laughs) And the last thing that I wanted to mention, because this is to me, this is kind of significant, because it's one of the best character examinations I think Star Trek has ever done. This is way back in 1966 on the 29th of September was the premiere of the original series episode, The Naked Time. Okay. Which is one of the best episodes I've ever seen where (laughs) people's characteristics are explored and it doesn't feel forced and artificial. Really excellent show.
2: Wow. I see you've shifted your pronunciation over the (laughs) last couple of years. I think we made (laughs) him (laughs) self-conscious. Don't let us bully you, Keith.
1: Say it the way you want. (laughs) Right on. The Naked Time. And there go. Exactly. <laughs> that's This Week in Trek History. Well, if I could throw one in, I believe that today uh-huh. is William Wyndham's 100th birthday. I oh, read that wow. earlier today. And okay. so I think that's worth noting, too, because William Wyndham was a legend uh, on absolutely. Star Trek and so many other things.
3: Mm-hmm. Murder, She Wrote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of yeah. other great things.
1: Uh, All right, Alan. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Alan, do we, have any this week, or do we have any news this week? We have some news this week. Awesome. Our first story is
2: kind of a broad story and a deal has been reached with the Writers Guild of America, which it describes as quote exceptional with meaningful gains and protections for writers in every sector of the membership. The Writers Guild board has approved the tentative new deal and lifted the strike as of midnight, Tuesday night. Writers can return to work pending full authorization of the new contract by the membership. The union was successful in getting agreement on all their major issues, along with some compromise with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. The Actors Union is reported to be set to begin negotiations, new negotiations, with the AMPTP within days. Wow. Good. That means, of course, that every television show can resume, you know, progress on where they mm-hmm. left off. And that includes Star Trek, of course. Yeah. In a related story, screenwriter Lindsay Beer confirms that J.J. Abrams' Star Trek IV, not the one with the whales, but the one with <laughs> Chris Pine, is still in the works. She confirms that at least part of the delay was that she had to, quote, hop off to direct the new Pet Cemetery prequel, Bloodlines okay so, yeah okay. That's, a, that's 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 <laughs> something
1: yeah but i mean that's one of like five movies we've heard about over the last few years so <laughs>
2: well exactly we'll see. there's been several different <laughs> projects that they've
1: very excitedly announced and then like oh never mind exactly so we'll see what happens so at least according to the
2: co scriptwriter it's still happening okay so we'll see okay yeah uh story number two this is a quick one paramount plus is launching in japan in December with a full slate of content, including strange new worlds being available on launch day. No other Trek movie or series was specifically named as being available at launch, but you know, it, unless they're going to plan on doing like a, like a tiered release of their newer shows, you can at least probably expect that the legacy Trek shows will be available. Hope so. so that's a, they're expanding their territory, their global, Dominion. And then (laughs) the final final story is that every year, libraries and the book industry celebrate Banned Book Week. Mm. And that puts focus on books that have been challenged both now and over the years. Usually, uh, this thing occurs in September. This year, uh, Banned Book Week is October 1st through 7th. So that's kind of a little bit of a shift. And the honorary chair this year has been named, it's Mr. Lavar Burton.
0: Oh,
1: awesome.
2: Isn't nice. that cool? Yeah. So yeah. Lavar is going to be headlining a live virtual conversation with Banned Books Week, uh, the youth honorary chair, Datavian Daniels, about censorship and advocacy. And that takes place October 4th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Okay. The event will be streamed live on Instagram. And this is kind of significant because normally it's an author or somebody related that is named the honorary chair of the event. And this year, this is the first time an actor has ever been named. And, you know, with his history with reading Rainbow Mm -hmm. and as much of an advocate as he has been for education and reading, Mm
0: -hmm. who
2: else could it be? You know? Right.
1: Yeah.
0: That's fantastic. So,
1: congratulations, Mr. Burton absolutely awesome all right well alan over the last few weeks we've missed you oh um, thank you i've missed you, you guys too you've been missing our discussions of very short treks so i was wondering if you wanted to i think people are missing your positive voice in our conversations <laughs> <laughs> so Ooh. you want to give your opinions of very short treks up to this point <laughs>
0: they suck
1: <laughs> <laughs> how's that for positive
2: no first- that's
0: that's very positive
2: the first ones were atrocious. Yes. They were like a hate crime against Trekkies. <laughs> yes. I mean, just awful. I will yes. say now that this week's I enjoyed a little bit more than the other ones. It started out good. Okay. I mean, I thought it was really clever that they started with Trip and the Enterprise crew. And then, you know, because this happened in the live action shows, you got Troy, Indiana pausing their uh holodeck playback and i thought oh that's really cool but and then somebody else comes along and and that's a hologram or holodeck playback and then the the next one gets paused and you get Neelix and you get all these other people and and Saru and all and it's like this chain reaction of stuff and I thought well that's kind of fun but then it ended up being stupid.
0: Yes (laughs) it
2: just I mean I was kind of with it and I was like this is this is fun I'm I'm kind of enjoying this and then the last scene was just the dumbest
1: yeah like uh, i was with it at first and i thought i mean i, I would i would do as far as say this one was cute like, yes yeah. you know uh, i wouldn't say it was funny i don't think i no, laughed no but, but it, was cute. it was it was cute clever seeing the the, the trail they, they kind of lost me when the timeline shifted and they went yes. from discovery back because why would sulu be watching discovery in his holodeck you know right right and then it, just, the... it became go kind ahead. of random no, the other
2: the other weird thing is that it included scenes from
1: Prodigy. Prodigy. Yes. yes.
2: The show that they have
1: done away <laughs> yes. with. What now, in the yeah. heck? Well, I believe this one was written by Aaron Wattke, who, uh who yeah. is an, an, exe- an executive producer of Prodigy. So maybe <laughs> he just worked to get that in there. But I mean, I was thrilled just crazy. to hear Zero's voice and yeah. to see yes. the Prodigy crew standing there. I thought that was great. Me too. I loved it. And I kind of liked the little... Uh, as a, as an idea, the gag at the end of the computer saying and programmer being like what, um, yeah. and then cut to black. I think that's fine. It, um, had, it, it was it the, was closer to being good than the yeah. other. T-
2: it was the
0: amalgamation of all the people smushed together that exactly. I
3: exactly. Like, yeah, what was going where? on there? Yeah, no, yeah.
0: what that made no sense.
3: Mm. Um, yeah. I thought the same thing. I also think it actually looked better visually than the yeah. other ones. You okay. know, their attempt to. Their attempt to recreate the, the, the cruder animation of the animated series, right. for some reason it looked better. And I will say the very first shot of the Enterprise in X01 from the front mm-hmm. um, was pretty. That was a really nice yeah. shot. And yeah, I think we're all agreed. I, I laughed a couple of times with that last thing, like you said, Veronica, that weird amalgamated blob. I don't even get what that was about. It was. Yeah. It reminds me of Saturday Night Live at its worst, when you would sometimes they have these great jokes and it was like, okay, that joke just went on a little too long. <laughs> you could have cut it. Uh, well, that's but that's it, decent. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. That, that that's kind of what
1: very short trucks has done every episode. Up yes. to this yeah. Yeah. It's just you yeah. have a a gag and then you just keep mm-hmm. with that one gag. Yeah. Uh, right. Until you're out of time and then it's just over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um. So a couple of
2: comments. A Facebook user says that they did like this week's Very Short Trek, which is great. Yay. And Matt Swetman says, it's sad that Very Short Treks is the only Trek acknowledgement of Prodigy anymore. Yeah. Ugh.
3: Yeah, that was ironic.
1: Yeah. yeah. I see Wayne's in our comments, too. And he yes. mentioned that he's seen the premiere of every Star Trek.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm so sorry. I, I didn't even catch that. Yeah. The premiere of every. That's amazing. Yeah. Wayne in
3: the original series? Dude, that's awesome Everyone,
2: that's That's awesome. crazy, dude. Absolutely.
0: So, Alan, I want to know what you thought of Riker's reaction from last week's Very Short Trek.
1: Are you talking about oh. the, the worst contact? Yes. The
2: girls what know. did you think
0: about Riker's reaction?
1: <laughs> I, I don't remember it because I hated it so
2: much. <laughs> like, literally actively hated it.
3: Right. <laughs> that was the gross out one where their bodily oh, fluids so were... Or rare and precious and all that weird stuff. God, yeah,
2: so
1: bad. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got that's one so more. Awful. So I mean they're they're progressing. <laughs> they're getting closer to a good one. So maybe yeah. that's because of the week.
2: <laughs> if you say so.
1: <laughs> Are we counting very short treks as a Star Trek series?
2: No. No. Okay. W-
1: why do you ask? Well, because then, you know, in my estimation, Enterprise wouldn't be the worst Star Trek series anymore. And that's worth <laughs> oh, noting, you know, so I thought if it oh, counts, then, oh. then in that case, yes, we do count <laughs> it. Enterprise is bumped up a notch. Yes.
2: Excellent. No longer last
3: place. <laughs> that's right. I my last love it. place would have been Picard, if not for Picard season three. <laughs>
0: yeah. Wow. Right.
3: <laughs>
1: All right. Well, this week we decided to have a little conversation about telepaths in star trek and then after that we'll be getting into our discussion of empathological fallacies the latest episode of lower decks but first we wanted to talk about some legacy trek and just trek in general um and about the telepaths in star trek so who wants Mm. to kick that off
0: alan you're you're the one that's always so excited about telepaths
1: okay well
2: then let me let me set this up um you know this this week's Lower Decks is all about three Betazoids visiting the ship and hijinks that ensue from that. Um, so I'm going to start with Deanna, because when I started watching Next Gen, you know, Deanna was not the most liked character at her debut, and it didn't get any better in season one. But I'm going to tell you that I have two kind of like fetishes. That's that's not a good word to use, but it it's it's something that I'm I'm really into. One of them is any alien well, any character that has mental abilities. I'm absolutely fascinated by that. I'm fascinated special by Special Interest. What?
0: I don't know. Instead of, oh, fetish, oh, instead you of fetish? special interest. Yeah. I get you. Yeah.
2: I get you. <laughs> um I'm fascinated by how they relate to other people, how they relate to themselves, how they deal with being able to see things in other people that others can't. The other thing that I really dig is any alien ability that has a natural hindrance. So like if you're, if Spock is half human, then he doesn't, you know, he struggles with, who he is and all that stuff. And so the fact that Deanna was from a telepathic race, but she's um, of mixed heritage, therefore her abilities are diluted and she has that natural barrier. I was fascinated by her from day one. She was like immediately going to be my favorite character on the show, even though, you know, it was dubious how well she was written in that first episode. But so from there, I've just sort of been drawn to telepathic characters and races in Star Trek and how they differ from each other, how they relate to humans, how humans relate to them. So I'm really excited about this topic tonight.
0: Yeah.
1: What's you, Keith?
3: Yeah. And I think uh, one thing to... um to kind of add on to what Alan was saying, telepathy is one of those old science fiction tropes that goes back for literally generations. and indeed, back in the day of the bims, the bug out monsters and movies, telepathy telepaths were often thought of as evil. and I think there's no there's no uh, coincidence that the first telepathic race introduced in track. the Telosians, look like mm-hmm. the old school views of futuristic advanced aliens right? with the really tiny frail bodies and the big heads, yeah. which in this case had the pulsing arteries that you could see in there. Uh, <laughs> so cool. it's an absolute staple. And, I, and I'm like, I think telepathy is a really fascinating thing, such as what you want. When you ever talk to people who read comic books and stuff, you know, when you play the game, what superpower would you like to have? Yeah. Telepathy is always up there, along with mm. flight and super strength. It's the one superpower I would not like to have, no, in that mm-hmm. I don't know if I really want to know people's feelings and thoughts all the time. no I'm no. I'm, no, I'm naturally very empath- empathic. I can really tell how people feel We when I don't want to. I sure don't yes. want to read their minds no so, mm-hmm. right yeah mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a tough a tough power to have,
1: <laughs> yeah, no kidding, especially like uh, I mean I wouldn't want to hear everybody's thoughts about me, <laughs> you know what I mean? especially <laughs> right. when you're younger and like yeah. imagine going through high school and you hear, you could hear what everybody thinks about you,
0: right? Right. That, no. that would be rough. No. <clears throat> well, and to, to
3: to don't tell what Alan said about in Troy. I don't, I really don't mean this in an improper manner. So I hope I don't offend anybody. But well, I you better not. Wonder. I'm a, I'm gonna jump well, to her honor. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, uh, Marina Surtis is a beautiful woman, and for so many years on the show, they had her in really clinging outfits. So I always wonder when you're talking about, Alan, like having empathic powers, the closest we got was Barkley. When Barkley was in Troy's quarters one time getting counsel, counsel, he obviously had attraction to her. So you wonder how being how do people function when they walk around knowing if someone's attracted to them? What if you have thoughts that, let's be honest, we all have. What do you do? I mean, and right. what, does, what does Troy do all the time when she's counseling a lot of men and women who are probably thinking, my God, this is a hot counselor right here. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you learn to ignore that, I guess, when you're a telepath. Or to your point, Charles, is my center, going, hey, this guy is such a stupid blah, blah, blah. What
0: do you do? <laughs> if Look you at
3: you that guy's head.
1: shirt. <laughs>
0: <Aww>. <laughs> well, Keith you, know what?
2: <clears throat> Keith, you bring mm-hmm. up a good point about Deanna being a counselor. Because if mm-hmm. you remember back to the episode, The Loss where those like flat dimension beings surrounded the ship and she kind of lost control of her abilities. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, she had that one of the few times that they showed her actually doing her job where she had the counseling session with the lady. And she says, I have to be upfront with you before we start our session today. I have lost my empathic ability. So I'm not able to read your emotions, you know, Mm-hmm. And, and the unstated part is, but I am a trained psychologist. I can still do my damn job. Right. And, and the lady tells her her thing. And she's like, I just don't know how you could possibly have processed, you know, whatever. And um, the lady's like, no, you're totally wrong. I'm fine. I'm doing great. I'm hip and groovy. And Deanna goes through this m- moment of doubt of like, I cannot function without my empathy. Mm. And then come to the end of the episode, the lady's like, you know what, Danny, you were absolutely right. I was not in a place where I could deal yeah. with the, the trauma that I've been through. So, you know, I'm 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 sorry, but you were right. And of course she was right because she mm. doesn't need empathy to do a psychologist's job. It helps her. Yeah. But I think right. it's interesting that when you're going into a professional setting like that, she uses it in a way in her professional uh um, position on the ship. But what about when you're just like with people in the mess hall, you know, absolutely. how do you, how do you like actively not sense all the people around you? I mean, it's just a natural thing for you. Yeah. So do you know, you know, who cheated on their entrance exam? or who is mad at somebody else or who forgot their spouse's birthday or whatever. I mean, there's all these things that every single thing is potentially exposed to that person. How do you, how do you relate to that person? How do you trust that person? How do you, you know, deal with them on a, on a regular basis? now, of course, Deanna was a a nice person and, you know, had a moral center, but what if she didn't? Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah, I mean there there was that beta betazoid, betazoid guy who came on the ship who was negotiating for the Barzan wormhole. Mm-hmm. I think that was what yeah, the, the he was in. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. It, I won't trust that guy. He's like having a car salesman with telepathic <laughs> abilities, you know. <laughs>
3: right. <laughs> but but you know what? He but at the same time, he made a really interesting point. Back to what you were saying, Alan, what you were saying, Charles, Deanna was basically telling him, I can't believe what you're doing is wrong. What you're doing is dirty. And he's like, oh, so when you sit there and you advise the captain when a Romulan ship is is facing you and she goes, that's different. He goes, how is it different? We're still using my powers.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: He makes an interesting point. Into, but, you know, would a telepath or an empath, in his case, be allowed in negotiations because of that point?
2: Oh, I think um, so. Absolutely. What about interrogations? Right. That's where she should be. Screw the, you know, <laughs> I mean that could be her side gig, you know. Right. She could, you know, be helping the crew, and uh, but when there comes to interrogation, buddy, she should be there.
3: <laughs> well, some races do have interrogating telepaths, like That's the Kazenti right. we saw That's... from the um, animated series. They bring in mm-hmm. a, they yeah. bring in the Kazenti telepath to read minds. Also, interestingly about the Kazenti, and I read up on them. Kazenti telepaths are kind of sort of mutants, even though they exist. And they always end up looking like that. But there's something mm. there's something about the tele- telepathic gene that makes all the telepaths weakly and frail and sick and and pink. So for, yeah. For the, it's, it's not a it's not a good ability.
1: Yeah. Interestingly. Right. right. Like for Troy, you mentioned her you know losing her empathic abilities and not being sure if she could do her job. I mean, for her, it's mm. one of her senses, though. I think yes, she, exactly. You know, she just like just like you know, someone who was blind or deaf could mm-hmm. be a psychologist. But if someone just suddenly lost their sight or their hearing, then yeah. I think they'd be uncertain about everything about functioning. You know, one of the
2: smartest things they did in that episode was she's sitting in ten forward and she's at a table and Will comes w- walking up behind her and startles her because she's not used to not knowing right. who's around her. Yeah, from all sides, she doesn't have to have vision. To yeah. know that someone's walking up behind her because she can sense them. And I thought that was a really cool moment.
1: Oh, yeah. I feel you know, like I, what
0: what Troy uh, does to avoid um, being overwhelmed with all the crew people, I feel like since it was something that she grew up with, it's something she had to learn to tune out Yeah, and just keep it at a certain level. Because, I mean, you can do that. You can learn to tune out certain things. It takes a lot of focus. But um, it's. I feel like that's probably mm-hmm. how she functions.
1: But mm.
2: on Beta Z, do they do that? Probably do they not. Just go around open to each other at all points in time, or I would do think they, so. Do they, I would <laughs> think so too. <laughs> yeah. Or do they learn to partition? Do they keep things to themselves? That other. Beta I feel Zoy like it would be part need? of the
0: training at the mm-hmm. very least because they have to interact with the rest of the Federation. And
2: right, other
0: creatures, and they can't necessarily yeah always be knowing what the heck's going on, so I feel like that right. would have to be part of the training. well, the it one would be just
2: just like the Deltons had yeah. to have to curtail some of their natural abilities in order to function within our
1: framework mm. i mean the the betazo we saw the most, aside from. Deanna was walks on a Troy. Yes. And she didn't seem to be super disciplined no, about people's no, privacy.
0: No no, <laughs> no. no, but she's
2: not in Starfleet. So I think True. it would be a different thing for Starfleet, but but that goes to my point of do betazoids just let it all hang out, so to speak. Do yeah. they just sense everything around them at all times? Well, well maybe. I mean,
1: they, they famously get naked and get married naked. True. So maybe, I yeah. mean, once you've seen everything in someone's mind getting naked isn't that big a deal anymore.
3: (laughs) That's a point. Also, I think one of the things about telepathy is if you read treatments of it in science fiction, comic books, cartoons, and Star Trek, I think the definition of telepathic reading, it, it comes from two directions, and people sometimes get confused. Some portrayals of telepathy, even in Star Trek, almost indicates that the telepath literally sends a beam or something into your mind and reads your mind, like they they offensively go into your head mm-hmm. and I, and there's a lot of treatments where you'll say they read your mind. That's how people block them, but other treatments of it again in star Trek also makes the same like what Veronica is saying is we're all projecting tele- telepathic. We're all projecting thoughts all the time, like a radio. Yeah. And so one version of telepathy is like the telepath is a radar where they mm-hmm. send a signal out into your head. And it comes back mm-hmm. and other interpretations of it, are they're just a receiver mm-hmm. and to what you're saying, Veronica in the episode, um, by any uh, no, not not by any other name. What is the other one? The one with Miranda, the 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 human telephone. Is there in Truth No Beauty? Oh yes. Thank you. Um in and the in and the and the dinner they had, she mentioned that she studied on Vulcan not to increase her telepathic powers, but to learn how not to hear other people's mm. thoughts. of Jersey yeah. Veronica. Yeah. Because she always senses, but she has to learn just like I mean, all you guys are musicians and performers and stuff, you have to learn like when you Alan, you know, when you perform, playing music. You have to listen to the other musicians to gel with them, but you also can't let them get you off track, I understand. Oh, yeah. And when you're in a crowded room, the same thing. Like, we all go to lunch and we can read a book with 100 people around us, but we don't, we we know the noise is there, but we don't listen to it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm always, when I look at.
0: <laughs> Not telepaths, everyone does that.
3: All, Thank you. Well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so there's, and there's so many times I look at a telepath, I'm thinking, well, that telepath seems to have a power where they're almost sending a beam into your head and it comes back. And then other times they just feel your thoughts and the thoughts are always in the air. So that that's always a part of how tele telepathic portrayed Mm -hmm. in science fiction.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned Dr. Miranda Jones, and that's an interesting point too, because Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we were talking about this off mic, but I mean, humans have esper potential as well, which Mm -hmm. was, I mean, a big plot point in where no man has gone before. And we've seen Mm -hmm. that a few times in star Trek where a human will, something will happen to them and they advance in some way. And all of a sudden they have mental powers too. It's like humans are like right on the cusp of having those right. mental abilities as well. And right. Miranda Jones had it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And Vulcan is another interesting example because they are sensitive in that way, but to actually probe, it takes a physical contact mm. in, in most cases. I <laughs> right. mean, cause you know, we have seen Spock do it without physical contact like with that, cloud thing you know right um and and i think that's a really interesting difference in what we normally think of as telepaths
1: Mm. yeah Yeah. we we saw spock reach out with his mind and um and control actions of some right and let the the guard to open the thing and that sort of thing and we saw uh, sarek you know mentally talk with michael burnham from across the galaxy one time uh, like yeah uh,
3: yeah i we wrote saw that, that down i wrote that down on my nose charles the luke skywalker moment right he was, u- he was using the force to project himself but, yeah, yeah. But, i mean Vul-
1: telepathy has always been based on the episode of how powerful it is but <laughs> that's um, true but yeah i mean it's interesting though I mean, would you want to work with a coworker who was telepathic no yeah but no.
2: Exactly. But even just playing poker with them. I mean, the next gen crew played poker all the damn time in uniform. Like, are they on duty while they're playing poker? (laughs) So, but even if she's not actively reading, she knows, like, if you pick up a card, you will have a reaction to that card. Right. Whether it's, you know, you're putting, I've just completed a, she might not read. I have just completed my straight, but she knows she will know if you're bluffing. She knows when you've got a card you're waiting for. So how does she turn that off? And how do you not suspect if she wins a hand? That's because she,
1: right. you know, sensed everything that was going on at the table. You know. Well, is That'll it? She can. Yeah, I mean, is it that she's turning it off, or is I Riker like I mean, you can bluff with your face? Can you bluff with your mind? Exactly. exactly. Maybe Riker. I mean, Riker's playing cards with with Jordy and Data and Deanna and winning
0: <laughs> regularly. <laughs> well,
1: yeah.
3: Right, that's true. (laughs) Yeah, and that goes back to how do you think telepathy works? Because if you're always broadcasting Mm -hmm. and the telepath is literally just receiving like a radio station, they can't ever turn it off. But if they have to kind of almost enter your mind, then maybe you can kind of sort of. I've seen treatments, people are trained to block telepathy by consciously thinking so much surface noise, like shouting in their minds, that the telepath can't sort through the thoughts. Well, that's it, what that Kevin like Pike did,
1: and l- um, for tel- the Talosians, is thinking mm. those angry mm-hmm. thoughts to block them. So, so right. maybe that's what Riker's doing during the card game. He's <laughs> <laughs> he's thinking about strangling people all the time. Let
2: me let me get three good comments here. Right. Um, first of all, I want to say that our fa- Facebook user from earlier is actually Elaine, and she. <laughs> yeah says that Enterprise is definitely not the worst, even though she knows that she has not seen all of the tracks. She's confident in saying Enterprise is not the bottom of the heap. All right, On lady. this discussion, Matt says, it feels like they have to be careful when introducing a telepathic character as it seems to be an imbalance of abilities and almost makes this character a superhero. Agreed. I felt that making Troy half Beta Zed, And merely empathic was an attempt to avoid having her overpowered in relation to the other crew. I a hundred percent agree with that. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Plus it gives the writers a hook, you know, it gives them something to like explore, which they almost never did, but that's beside the point. Um, Wayne says, if you can imagine the opposite of everything you have just discussed, that would be me every day with people who are not autistic. I lack some social skills, you all take for granted.
0: Yeah, Yeah. That's
3: a very interesting perspective. Yeah. Yeah. That is very interesting, Wayne. Um, So Hmm. you see the world some ways differently than some of us see the world. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And Matt says, I prefer that when we are introduced to a telepath, telepathic race or character, there is some limiting factor, such as Vulcans having to perform a mind meld. I think it's just more interesting that way. I think it's more interesting Mm -hmm. to have that limitation. you right.
3: know. Well, you know, uh, Matt and Alan, that's very interesting you say that because I've read treatments that say technically Vulcans are not true telepaths because most of right. the telepathy has to be, because telepath, of course, tele means far. And so technically they're not true telepaths or full telepaths because they're, most of their te- their telepathic abilities are from touching. And I find it interesting because in the episode Spectre of the Gun, at the beginning of the episode, Spock mentioned, he when Kirk was like, we're going down there because those are my orders. Remember Spock said, as true telepaths, they could be quite formidable. And the Malcoltians were really good. Remember, everybody heard their language in their heads. They obviously could project incredible illusions. And... There were, to, to Matt's point, they were one of the most overpowered telepathic races mm. we've seen short of the Telosians. I mean, those dudes are fierce. And I've always wondered, one of the things we had talked about in our Facebook group with the host group is beings like the Malkotians who are that powerful, even the Telosians. are they allowed in the Federation and the Starfleet? And right. what do you do? Talk about a vowel. What do you do with someone who can not only read your mind, but make you see illusions? Right. right. So,
0: wait, what, what's path in Latin? Because I know television and telephone, and obviously. So what's path? Telepath. If tele is far away, what's path? The answer to that?
2: Maybe yes. maybe it's thought. That'd be weird. <laughs>
3: I don't know. That's a good question, though. <laughs> okay.
0: If someone That's knows the, the answer to that or wants to look it up, look it up yeah. for me. I want to know. That's
3: the note that I didn't look up, and I made a note to do Because <laughs> a path is something you walk on. Tele means yeah. far. Far. Far
0: path. Like the... what? That's what I thought, too. Pathological
3: pathogen. Oh crap! And I knew like Long road. Oh, I don't know. And I meant to look that up too. Shoot. Well,
2: <laughs> you've got a couple. Of, I mean, we're at thirty-six minutes. Yeah, now, thirty-seven minutes. So we need to transition. But yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Does so anybody have any, any closing thoughts about the telepath before we turn it over to the the conversation about imp empath- and pathological fallacies?
3: Yeah, we should table. We should bring this back as a full hour. I discussion. agree. This yeah, is a discussion. At least an hour discussion. <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> for sure. Yes. All right. Well, if you're listening on the audio podcast, we'll take a quick break and promote a fellow ESO Network podcast show. But don't go away, because when we come back, we'll be talking about the latest episode of Star Trek Lower Decks. So stay right there. It was the year of fire.
2: The year of destruction. The year we took back what was ours.
1: It was the year of rebirth.
2: The year of great sadness. The year of pain. And the year of joy. It was
1: a new age. It was the end of history.
2: It was the year everything changed. The year is 2261. The place, Babylon 5. The podcast is the Epsilon 3. Right here on the ESO Network.
0: spoilers spoilers
1: perfect and that's spoilers for star trek lower decks and pathological fallacies now are you guys familiar with the term pathological fallacy
2: yeah sort of
1: i I looked up the definition because i think it's very fitting for star trek in general and for this episode so a pathological fallacy is an Mm. error of overgeneralization where pathological traits seen in one person or in a limited set of people are extrapolated and credited to the basic population, which sums up most Star Trek species. Yeah. I thought it was cute. Ah, yes,
0: uh, and
1: also yes. then flipping that into empathological mm-hmm. fallacies. I thought it was I thought that was cute. It's a clever title. It is clever. And it plays into middle of the episode, I think. What do we think this week about this? empathological fallacies?
2: Well, as always, I loved it. Because <laughs> yes. it's lower decks, because it's fun, because it's 25 minutes and it's, it gets to the point and tells a good story. And I thought the uh,
3: Beta Z
1: characters were great.
3: Yeah. What well, you, Keith? I enjoyed it too. Although I was still a little confused that once their secret was out, they felt they had to take over the ship. I mean, I, I wasn't quite sure why they had to go that yeah. ninja right. on everybody. Yeah. That was a little weird to me, but I thought it was good. And it was funny. I wasn't enjoying Boimler's story at first. And it was actually one of the times I was thinking, and, eh, this doesn't need a B-plot. I'd just rather mm. they extend the B-plot. Mm. But at the end, they pulled it together. We'll get to there. But when the alarm went off and tracks and everybody just kind of stood there like that, I just laughed my butt off. When all of a sudden they went from whatever those goofy games were to security, that was so funny. I ended up loving that. They were great. They literally posed before they went. You know, and grabbed their phasers and everything like that. And I thought that was really good.
1: What did you think, Veronica?
0: Um, I lost where we were at because I was looking up what path is.
1: Star Trek Lower Decks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, but I missed what they had already said. And just say uh, what you thought. Well, I really enjoyed this episode. It was a lot of fun. And we got a lot of Flynn. And yeah. she's awesome.
1: Talen is great.
0: Yes. Yes, she
1: is. And they're, they're doing for Talen what I'd kind of hope they would do for like Kayshawn, which is developer, you know, yeah. they this was her POV episode and I thought it was great. She's just great in every, I just love everything she says. Yes. I think I said that last
0: I'll, week. I just I'll, laugh I'll at every line. Make, make we need a Talen show. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like I would watch um, the
2: heck out yeah, of that. I was, I saw a tweet by the, I was looking up her name and I can't find it. The actress who plays to Lynn um, when she did her audition, she went back and watched a lot of Spock and Tapal episodes.
1: Okay.
3: Oh, nice.
2: I think that's really cool.
3: Yeah, it is.
1: I, I think it's Gabrielle Ruiz. <laughs> I think so. I'm remembering yes. Correctly. Yes. But um, don't quote me on that. But I mean, she's, she's great. She's got this great Vulcan delivery. And she's not trying to be Vulcan, but also emotional. She's just going straight Vulcan and just deadpan. But it works so well because she's playing off of the Lower Decks crew. Yes. And they're so (laughs) up here all the time. So she can just come down. Exactly. The contrast is just funny.
0: Yeah. Yes.
1: Because everyone else on the ship is nuts.
3: (laughs) Well, it was interesting because when everybody started getting crazy and shouting and stuff, she was kind of like, well, you're always like this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, sometimes, you know, to be funny, lower decks will bring in wacky things. But I think this right. episode is a great example of just coloring inside the lines. They're just mm-hmm. using things that have already been on Star Trek and just combining them. And it's, you know, things like, you know, a wacky Vulcan sex crazed ambassador is something we've seen a lot on Star Trek, or not in Vulcan, <laughs> but um, Betazoid, Betazoid. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? yeah. Or, right. you know, the crew affected by, you know, the, the telepathic. Like there's, it's just things that have done before, but just recombining them. And it's just, it's just funny. Yeah. Mm hmm. I think that's great. I agree.
3: Yeah, I agree too. I thought I did have one question though uh, about um, the lens of affliction, the bi- okay. b- bendy ben,
1: ben, ben, syndrome. Bendy
3: syndrome. Bendy. 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 I thought with Sarek, they equated that to dementia or Alzheimer's. Yep. Yes, exactly. People, and that they said it was unusual she got at that age. But I also thought they implied in TNG that it was it was basically terminal.
1: Yeah, it, and like, it was like, for Sarek. I mean, they, yeah. that's what he died from. Mm-hmm.
3: So um, what's going to happen to her? Because I thought you know, there was no real treatment for it in TNG. Maybe they found the treatment in the last just a couple of years.
1: Could be. Yeah. I mean, or it could be it's not as bad if you get it when you're young. Yeah. You know, maybe when you get it when you're 202 years old, it's more serious. Right. But you can bounce back at 62. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. They sort of hand waved and moved right past that. But right. yeah, exactly. thought. I was like, didn't that kill Sarek? And it wasn't that like. You know, right. Yeah. For Does that
2: mean that she's living with a, a terminal disease? And it could be that he had it his whole life and it only became an issue at that point, like when it sort of took over his mind. Right. So yeah. it could be something that she
1: just lives with and learns to deal with for most of her life. Yeah. I mean, at first, she didn't realize that she was causing it. Yeah. And she yeah. just thought the humans were being, maybe Sarah just went on his whole life thinking humans are irrational a lot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. That wouldn't be yeah. surprising he, based on yeah. the way he treats them. Yeah,
1: maybe he's having Thank a flare-up or you know, the Klingons got violent again and he was just like, Well, Klingons are weird. <laughs> I, also was. Was I
0: also thought it was
3: interesting. We've seen a little bit of this before with other Vulcans, such as Tu Tuvok tu- and Topal. Talyn is 62 years old,
2: mm-hmm. which yeah. is
3: pretty old at her to be at her rank. She should be a captain, admiral, commodore. But one thing they've established a couple of times in Star Trek is because they live so long, Vulcans sometimes have more than one career. They'll mm-hmm. do something and then they'll change. Tuvok left Starfleet for several years and came back to Paul before she became, a, she was on the Starship. She was part of the group of Vulcans who were working with humans, but they, they changed careers. So maybe Talyn came into Star to her the Vulcan Defense Forces later in life, uh, which I yeah. thought was kind of interesting. But- She's she's
2: about the same age as T'Pol, isn't that right? Yeah. Wasn't T'Pol yeah. in her sixties? I think she T'Pol was sixty-five. Was, yeah, yeah that's what was I was thinking. Thing. Whereas Tuvok was, when we knew him on the show, was like around one hundred and twenty. He
3: yeah. was one hundred, right? He had been right. in Starfleet, then he left, then he came back, and I think T'Pol had been on. She'd been doing a lot of diplomatic corps work on Earth, and then she decided to do that. They they chose her for the space thing. So it's very interesting if you live that long would you do one career or do, or like Vulcans and others races along live? they do different careers. They become different
2: yeah. people. Yeah. Um, three super quick comments. They're very short. Uh, Wayne says putting Veronica on the spot can be most entertaining. <laughs> Matt <laughs> wishes that Spock in strange new worlds was more like to Lynn. Mm. And Matt also says, I don't know. I think Trek needs more sex crazed Vulcan ambassadors. <laughs> 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 it can't hurt. I'm just saying, right. <laughs>
1: Yeah,
0: Yeah, I, I was the opposite of a telepath and heard nothing that anyone was saying. <laughs> <laughs> or you're a really good one. You know how to
3: block out the thoughts. Right.
2: <laughs> there you go. There you go. You were ex- exercising that dip, the, the discipline.
1: Y-
0: yeah, that's discipline.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you, you mentioned when they went to red alert, everyone into action. I noticed that there was a couple of times in this episode where people had really funny runs. Like think yes. did the like T-1000 run Whenever time yes. she ran, she had the I hands like that. Robert Patrick. Yes. And it was Sean did like, I think it's, what's the cartoon character? Is it Naruto who puts his arms Naruto. back and his Naruto. head down? Yeah. And like the anime guy. And like. Yeah. Run, that, <laughs> and, that, that, and that's
0: a thing. That's a thing that like the teenagers do, especially right. now. They're but, like. That's Put what, your arms behind them and run really fast. That's
1: what Kayshawn did when he went into action. He, his battle mode was doing oh. that run.
0: <laughs> I was As soon as he did that, I was like, what are you doing? It was <laughs> funny.
1: Okay,
2: it let was... me interject really quickly with the most important comment that we have had so far tonight. Vandy Beth says, <laughs> yay, Alan's back.
1: Oh, yay. That, <laughs>
2: I here agree. I am. I agree. Thank you. I appreciate that, Vandy Beth. And yay, Vandy Beth is watching.
1: Yay. yay. She doesn't watch when you're not here.
2: Well, because she's usually on the show.
1: But. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs>
2: um, so a, a couple of points. One, I'm absolutely fascinated by this view, this historical view that we got that centuries ago, the Catians were hunters and they hunted betazoids. Yeah. I to know more about that. Now, yes. ever with seven years of Troy on the show, I always wanted to know more about Beta Z history, and we never mm. really got anything. And that, you know, what that leads me to another point that I'm I'm jumping around now. I am disappointed that none of these diplomats that were on the show this week were. Daughters of anything or the houses of whatever and, and the sacred chalice of reeks and all that stuff. Why did they not come up with something for them for that? Yeah. Um, The other thing is, I think it's really, really, and I don't think we've seen this before. Um, uh, The captain used their telepathy against them she used it as a weapon against them (laughs) yeah she
0: She played a rare rabbit there
2: (laughs) right she tricked that lady into reading her mind and then planted what she wanted that lady to receive Mm -hmm. and that was the other one talking smack about her behind her back
0: so i wonder if someone like thinks of something that didn't actually happen and the telepathy means that
1: Well, maybe like Riker remembers a time when he had a bad hand when he's playing cards with Troy in the hopes that she'll (laughs) pick up the feelings. I don't know. Um, But yeah, I I thought that was really good. And I like I thought I thought Freeman was good across this. I mean, they're all affected by the thing. But I thought she did a good job of leaping into action when she thought she knew what was going on. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, changing when she.
0: I am good at my job.
1: Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which ordinarily that would bother me. But they were under the affliction of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. of that virus because I, w- you know, I would hope that she would usually be good at her job. She's a captain mm-hmm. of the starship, but right. um, I love the little, the little the th- when the Romulans popped up for a minute, and he was like,
0: "We're <laughs> all disappointed
1: they didn't come into the neutral zone," and he was like set course for sector 87 we'll lurk over there
0: yeah
1: <laughs> I
3: that also funny. did you notice that there were red warning beacons at the neutral zone? yeah
0: i saw that and <laughs> yes. i don't want to know how they have red warning beacons in a three-dimensional in a three-dimensional space, space, space exactly <laughs> what
1: <laughs> yeah i, lo- oh, I looked it up cool. i was curious because they're flying yeah. from angel one to um risa and mm-hmm. then they changed mm-hmm. course for beta Z into the neutral zone Which Mm -hmm. I was like, that's how is that possibly on the way to beta Z? So I looked it up in stellar cartography and it's not. Of course. (laughs) Angel one or Angel, the Angel system is like up there. Like you'd go, you would fly past Mm -hmm. the you know, Romulan space, but they must have Mm -hmm. just been under the influence because they turned the entirely wrong way when
0: the neutral (laughs) zone instead. They were not going to beta they were
1: (laughs) pulling a Commodore stalker and flying into the neutral zone as a shortcut.
0: (laughs) Not a shortcut.
3: So, so, exactly what was their – what was these people – what was their mission? They were basically intelligence, but what was their ultimate mission? They were going to all these parties,
1: but they were telepathically looking for clues as to what was happening to these ships that were disappearing. So I would expect because they're ambassadors, they're going to be at the high-level parties, and they're just like mentally scanning people, I guess, just looking for clues. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
3: Mm.
1: Yeah,
2: but in reality, they are part of the Beta Z Intelligence as- uh, uh, Association, or whatever the A stands yeah. for. Agency, that's it. Probably. Yes, exactly. And I thought that was interesting, too, because that's the first time we've heard anything about that as well. Yeah. You know, because we, we know about the Obsidian Order, and we know about the Tal Shiar, and we know about mm-hmm. Section 31, but now we know that the Beta Zs have their own.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Did you see that twist I love this stuff. Hmm? Did you see that twist coming? No. Me, I didn't. didn't. yeah
3: and you would we were talking about how you would deal with telepaths you would think that beta zeds who are undercover might have to do something like disguise their eyes because they all have basically black eyes yeah can you imagine a beta zed spy trying to get loose in say klingon or romulan space it ain't happening (laughs) (laughs) i I have the feeling they're not going to play around with telepaths in their midst
1: it's a pretty good cover though if you have people like luxana troy out there like you if you're at a party with luxana troy you're not going to assume she's a spy
0: no. You know, and they're exactly. basically playing
1: up that that attitude that mm-hmm. Deme- mm-hmm. You know, the media that the demeanor. The yeah. Yep. Or they're just I thought it was cute that they're coming from Angel 1. Um, Me too. Me too. And then heading to Risa like yeah, they're hitting all the good parties. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um
2: Matt Sweatman says Betazoids would be very useful in Section 31. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just really quickly, the three betazoid characters that we had on the show, and I don't know their character names, unfortunately, I forget I think
1: I do
2: um of the guest cast, uh, and I thought I kind of recognized their voices, but it wasn't until the credits roll at the end. Two of them stand out to me. One is Wendy Malik, who, mm-hmm. of course, is well known for dream on just shoot me hot in Cleveland and a a few other shows that she was amazing in. Yeah. Um, especially just shoot me. She was just phenomenal in that show. But uh, the other one, the, the, the main one, um, was Rachel Dratch, a Saturday night live cast member for many years. Um, so what an excellent casting we got for those three characters. And I don't, I can't figure out who the other one was the third Mm. one.
1: I don't know. Um, I didn't look them up, but I think their names were Cathu, and I think it was Temeret was the third one, but don't quote me on that third one. But I thought close, Del- I Delorix, I thought was pretty funny. A Delorix a funny is name. a great name. I, <laughs> yeah.
2: And I think that one is Rachel Dratch. Okay. Yeah.
1: So I, I yeah. like when they they came on to ransom and he was into it. and They're like, ah, oh. <laughs> right. we like it when they play. Yeah. So maybe like Picard, Picard and Riker had just been act like they were into it. Loxana Troy would have got a board and left a long Probably. time ago. <laughs>
2: right there, There's no conquest there. Right. I thought that the, the jokes that they ran uh, with uh, Dr. Ta'ana. hmm. About, you know, hey, that was centuries ago that we used to eat you people. And then when she gets all, you know, gobbled up in the head, she's like, oh, man, we're going to carve them up like brisket.
1: I, just,
2: I thought it was hilarious.
1: Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, I thought, I thought was... this whole episode was fun. What did you think about the, the twist on the security? Oh, gadgets?
2: hang on. Elaine says the third one was voiced by Janelle James. Of course, she plays the principal on Abbott Elementary. Wait, is she the principal or is she the, the older teacher? Because it sounded more like the older teacher. She's no, no, no. Principal. But no, you're right. Janelle James is the, uh, principal. Yeah, That's Shirley why Rock she sounded so familiar. I knew I knew her voice. Awesome. Thank you, Elaine. That, that whew, I feel better now.
1: <laughs> well, what do we think about the, um, the more well-rounded security guys? What do we think about their, I thought well, that well, was I, can't, so... the, I did, the word just fell out of my brain. The, um, not wholesome, but um, holistic. holistic, holistic. Yeah. I thought that was so interesting. Yeah. We're here to keep the ship
2: safe. Sometimes that means fighting enemies. Sometimes that means your mental well-being. Yeah. What a fascinating approach to security.
0: Yeah. 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 It's not in medical. That's I I like that. I think yeah. that was a fantastic twist.
1: Yeah. That's something I've seen it, on Star yeah. Trek before. Not that I remember. No, I don't think yeah. so.
2: Uh, Otherwise, you've got I, nothing I for was... your Troys and your crushers to do.
1: <laughs> right.
2: <Yeah.
3: laughs> if uh,
1: Worf is doing it.
0: <laughs> I thought that was thought Can that you was imagine Worf doing too. that? Oh, my gosh. I can't imagine <laughs> Worf
3: security guys were doing a lot of beat poetry.
0: No. <laughs> uh,
3: he might make a listen to Klingon opera, which he seems to do, right. too.
0: It relaxes Worf.
3: Yeah, it does.
0: So he may think that it would be good.
1: Yeah. Very loud. I, I
2: like that the they were serving, was it, am I right? They were serving uh, root beer floats?
1: Oh, no, that was in the short track. Yeah, you're thinking of the short track.
2: <laughs> I watched them both at the same time. I'm <laughs> getting all wacko now.
3: Um, I thought it was funny when they gave Boimler the choice of the, the games, and one of them was the, it was the puzzle, the Starfleet <laughs> security, and it was yeah. Malcolm Reed.
1: Yeah, yeah. All, all of their <laughs> games involved. Yeah. The um, it was Wharf, and then Odo was the yeah, answer isn't... in charades, and then Malcolm Two bucks didn't get any love, but the others did.
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> Elaine
2: said.
3: Uh, no justice for Tubucks. <laughs> no. For
0: those on the um, audio podcast, I have a shirt on from the uh, the Titmouse company that's the shirt of the week for Lower Decks, and it says "Justice for Tubucks."
2: Speaking of of the week, have y'all played the Lower Decks uh, Wordle? Mm -mm. I've never. I haven't either. Not this week yet. Um, Anyway, Elaine says, as part of Elaine and Matt watch TV, I watch TV and I know things. So (laughs) people should follow them on their television journeys and go find their Elaine and Matt watch TV
3: Facebook page. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, Elaine, did you hear? Sadly, two weeks ago, that Abbott Elementary was canceled. After (gasps) what? What? (laughs) You f- no, that. Oh no, 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 right. no! Sorry, wrong one, wrong one, wrong, 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 wrong! Not not No, I'm doing it. Not a little Lavigne. The Wonder Years. I'm thinking of playing those. Oh, oh, that's a whole different thing. What
2: the? I'm about to jump through this screen. Swear to God. <laughs> look, Because it, I mean, it, look, it won more awards, and uh, yeah. Oh, good night. Oh if
3: anybody else had mistaken two black shows like that, I'd be all up in there, raising, <laughs> burning this place down. So
0: that's my bad. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh my God. Oh, <laughs> All
1: right. Well, do we have any closing thoughts about this one before we wrap it up?
0: So, um, I, had, I had two things that I saw that I wanted to mention. Oh. I really liked the Betizoids little lipstick weapon things. I thought that, oh, was, that, was, great. that and, was great. And um, I was trying to look at some of the background aliens. There's one of the bartenders with purple hair. I couldn't tell what a- that alien is. So, if someone Me knows what that alien is. Um, let me know. And also, um, there was um, a Starfleet officer walking around with a hijab. So I thought that was yes. pretty cool. And I hadn't yes. noticed that yeah. before uh, this was the first uh, episode I noticed that in. Yeah, we've seen one other. Yeah, F- 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 F-
3: we, we've
2: seen her a couple of times, maybe only two times before uh, yeah. prior to this. But yeah, I, I loved that. I mm-hmm. love seeing that.
3: Yeah. Did you also yeah. notice that when people were getting crazy, one of the guys was walking around with that with the game on his forehead?
0: Oh, no. <laughs> no, I did not see that. Yeah. Oh my
3: gosh! That's and funny. then there was so there was awesome. a couple of Anbo Jitsu dudes in the yeah, corner. Oh yeah, I did see those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, my final thought about what you guys were saying too was, I thought the the B plot at first I didn't like it, but I loved the way they brought that home, where yeah. the holistic approach, where it's not just fighting as he was saying, kicking ass. It's about the whole person, and I thought mm-hmm. that worked really well, and then when the alarm went off and they literally did that tableau where they froze like a comic book, <laughs> I just, it was great. Yeah, yes. That was very good writing.
2: Yes. You know, I've seen that a couple of times before, where you think a B-plot is unnecessary and it isn't going anywhere, and then yeah. they do something to land it, like... Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I
1: should not have ever doubted them.
3: Yeah, <laughs> right. brought
1: it home. <laughs> Speaking of the background aliens, what's up with the Murps? Oh, oh, he was trying right. to memorize their names, and there's like... <laughs>
0: Big and Murp I saw and them.
1: Sleepy I right. saw
0: them. I saw at least two of them in the background. I saw Big yeah. Murp and Sleepy Murp. Well,
1: they've been around for a while, but is that like a is that their species? Is that how how they're named or it must is that be. nicknames? No wonder. That was great. Yeah. But one of them is just Murps. I don't know. Are they all called Murps on this planet? So they come up with nicknames. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I thought it was interesting.
2: It is interesting. Yeah. It's like that dude from Star Trek Three, the Sleepy Klingon.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but i like that boimler even though he's comedic relief i like that he's he's again he's being allowed to grow because he's trying so hard he's taking his job really seriously mm-hmm. you know? and yeah. even though it was funny he wasn't really the butt of a joke here yeah, yeah. i also like that even though mariner is also still funny, we've talked about this many times she's different than she was in the first season she oh. you know she's there she's responsible she's doing the stuff she she's do. she's cracking jokes while she's doing it yeah. yeah but you know she's she's a member of the crew for sure
2: yeah God, I, I love her so much
3: yeah,
1: yeah she's great absolutely all right alan where can people find more of you
2: okay head on, head right on over to www.cosmiccreative kozmic and you can find a list of my books and my podcast which includes modern musicology weekly podcast about all sorts of music topics
1: and how about you keith
3: you can find me on Instagram and X and Facebook, primarily the ESO Network Facebook groups.
1: And how about us, Veronica?
0: Feltnerdy.com.
1: Yep. And if you're in the Atlanta area, uh, they've just announced the date for the Halloween Puck and Puppet Show, which is going to be at the Center for Puppetry Arts for the first time in whatever 15 or year, 20 years they've been doing the the wow. puppet show so yeah. we're gonna have the chance to perform on the main stage at the center for puppetry arts for the first time so, so awesome yeah that's october 14th so come out it's a competitive puppet slam so you also have the chance to vote for us and maybe we can so win we some can money win money yeah right on. We'll uh, come uh, and vote for but us. even if not it's just a fun show it's gonna <laughs> be a great time yeah. so if you're in the atlanta area come over to the center of puppetry arts october 14th and it's gonna be a lot of fun uh where else can people find us
0: uh, Monkeying Around, a podcast about the monkeys.
1: That's right. And do you have a closing for us this week?
0: Yes. Hold on. Ooh. Hold on. I made I made a note. Ooh. And by note, I mean I texted it to Chuck so I would have it. <laughs> this crew is always weird and yelling.
2: Perfect. Right on. (laughs) (laughs) That sums us up, I gotta say. (laughs) All right. Good night, everybody. See you next Thursday. Thanks for
3: participating. See you guys.
1: Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time.